Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, SFF. Yeah, listeners, and welcome to Backlist to the Future. Our new bi-weekly installment of recommendations from the deep and sometimes dusty corners of science fiction and fantasy. Because one show every two weeks is just not enough to cover all the books we want to talk about. I'm Jen Northington, recording on August 1st, and we're going to talk about vampires outside of the quote-unquote classic mold, by which I mean sort of the Anne Rice and Twilight mold, because I'm so excited about the Blade reboot with Mahershala Ali that I just need to talk about vampires. So before we do that, I'm going to talk about our sponsor, which is Libro FM, which lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers, and get recommendations from booksellers around the country. They are the same audiobooks at the same price as the larger audiobook companies out there. You know the ones. But you'll be supporting your local community through Libro FM. All you need is a smartphone and the free app. And there are lots of recommendations and curated lists from the people who know audiobooks best, local booksellers. And listeners of SFF Yeah can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. So go to Libro FM, which is Libro, L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter code BR3. And with each listen, you can take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. All right, so let's talk about... Vampires who aren't necessarily like sexy, broody, and sometimes sparkly. We're going to talk about other kinds of vampires. And I'm going to start out with a personal favorite that was published in 2003. So, wow, all over 15 years ago, that seems bananas to me. It's Sunshine by Robin McKinley. And this is sort of my most fun, least dark pick. We're going to get a little dark in this episode. But this one I found really enjoyable, and it does still have high stakes and some serious creep factor. Uh, it is about a young woman whose nickname is Sunshine. Uh, her name is actually Ray. Get it? Haha. And she lives in sort of like a small town that's near, you know, a forest and a lake. And she is a baker. She works at a local bakery and it's owned by her mom and her stepdad. And she like makes cinnamon rolls and she's really just living sort of a normal, quiet life as much as possible. Magic exists in her world, but it's not really part of her world. Vampires exist, but she's never really had any run-ins with them. She doesn't really think about them. And one night she goes out to the lake to look at the stars, and the next thing she knows, she wakes up chained in a cabin next to a vampire who is also chained up. And as the story unrolls, you start to find out that Sunshine's past has some things in it that you might not expect she has. There's something special about her that she is very reluctant to talk about slash remember. And the vampire that she starts interacting with is very creepy, 
and also very compelling in an interesting sort of way that I haven't seen done before. And, you know, things get really real. There's, you know, an epic sort of battle and there's, you know, somebody dispatches a vampire with like a butter knife, like things get interesting. But it's a really sort of lovely kind of heroine story. Sunshine is so out of the mold of most of the heroines that you see in the issue. She's very practical. She's very pragmatic. She's a baker. She makes cinnamon rolls. I couldn't love her more than I actually do. She's just so wonderful. And I really appreciate the way that her story unfolds in conjunction with this vampire. I'm being very cagey because I feel like you don't need to know that much to in, to get into this book and to enjoy it. And the less you know, maybe the better, because it is just an unexpected sort of take. And if you're familiar with Robin McKinley's work, which I am, I've read most of it, it's, it's sort of different, I think, in interesting ways from the rest of her work. And it's the one I see talked about sort of the least. I think her medieval-style fantasies are much much more talked up. But this one, you know, takes place in a modern world. It's but very like our own, but slightly different. And, you know, it's vampires. So that I think is very interesting and will be a good starting place for lots of you who maybe don't want, you know, the classic vampire tropes, but still want to read about them. So again, that is Sunshine by Robin McKinley. Okay, now we're going to get a little bit darker. (laughs) My next pick for you that I was thinking about because Sharifa and I talked about how you don't often see black vampires, which is one of the things that makes Blade so excellent and interesting. So I wanted to talk about My Soul to Keep by Tanana Reeve Du. It's the first in her African Immortal series. And the main character, David, is not exactly a vampire, but his blood has been changed and he is immortal. And the process by which other people's blood might be changed to make them immortal is sort of vampire-y. So it's a stretch, but I think that anybody who is interested in unusual stories about vampires is going to be very interested in this one. And we see it from David's perspective. And then also Jessica, who he's married to, who has no idea that he is anything other than her loving husband, the father of her child. Uh, you know, he is like a very devoted house husband. He They met because she was at the same university that he was teaching at, um, but there was no student-teacher relationship. They started dating after, you know, all of that was done. And she is a journalist. She is very high-powered, ambitious. She wants to work on a book. She, you know, pursues stories and investigates things and very attentive and, and intense ways. Um, And so she's sort of the thing that she's struggling with is that David wants, you know, has told her he wants her to spend more time with the family and and have them be more of a family-focused family. Haha. And Jessica is trying to balance her career and her family, which I think is very relatable for lots of women. Now, again, all of this is that she doesn't know that her husband is immortal. And he's trying to figure out, you know, there are very strict rules around how he is supposed to be existing in the world, and he's starting to break them. And so he has to figure out, you know, what he is willing to do and what is most important to him 
and who is most important to him. And things get really violent. This is where I give you a trigger warning for harm to children and also to animals. And there are car chases and, you know, people waiting in the bushes and really dark things happen in this book. But it ends on this really lovely sort of optimistic note. And Jessica is so badass, for lack of a better word. She's so interesting and fun to watch. And because you get both her perspective and David's in alternating chapters, you know, he he is a certain kind of monster, but you see what he's dealing with and how he got there and what he's struggling with. And it's very interesting. You also get to see him through the course of the last 400 years. And he originally came from Ethiopia and now is in America. And he spent some of his time in America during this the years of slavery in the South, um, well, in all over the country. And so you get some really dark stuff there too, I should say. Um, it's very graphic and difficult to watch. It's all of the things that you might expect from a slavery narrative. And then you get, you know, him in the modern world, you know, as a jazz musician or as a father and a husband. So it's, it's a really interesting book. It covers so much ground. It is not an easy read, but it's a fascinating one. And it's actually the first in a series. I haven't read the rest of these, but I think if you dig this one, you're going to want to check the rest of them out as well. And maybe you have more room in your TBR for finishing series. So again, that's My Soul to Keep by Tanana Reeve Du. Really, really an interesting book. All right, my next pick for y'all is The Vampire Tapestry by Susie McKee Charnas, which was first published in 1980. So this is definitely moving back in the world. And it was a Nebula Award nominee. It was a Locus Award nominee. Like, it got nominated for all of these prizes in sci-fi fantasy. And if I recall correctly, I found it because Kelly Link talked about it in her Twitter feed one day, you know, as you do. And I picked it up because, you know, when Kelly Link recommends a book, I tend to listen. And it was so different and interesting. And in this story, you have Dr. Edward Wayland, who is a, an immortal vampire. He does feed off of other people's bloods, although not actually like there's not like a fang situation here. It's a little bit different. And he is an anthropologist. He he basically his cover is that he's an anthropology professor, which makes perfect sense for a vampire, right? If you're immortal, you can see all kinds of things about the way that human culture develops. And he thinks of people as both food, it, it, like he doesn't think of humans as his peers because he is immortal and they are his food. And so he has a very sort of disdainful approach towards humanity. And you get four or five different views of him as the book goes on. He's interacting with all of these different people and all of these different timelines. And some of them, you're, you're most of them, actually, you're seeing him from their perspective. And they're not all relatable, sympathetic narrators. For example, one of them, who is named Mrs. DeGroot, um, is interacting with him. She was raised in Africa, but she's a white woman, and she has, you know, 
racism issues, and also um, there's a there's a crisis on the campus that they are on, and involving um, young women being raped. And she does some victim blaming. She's really she's probably one of the least sympathetic characters in this whole book, and I'm including the vampire in there, so that should give you an idea. But you see her sort of notice this new professor and start to have doubts about him and what it provokes in her. And then, you know, you also see him, like, Wayland actually goes to therapy at some point. He's, you know, she's, this psychotherapist is supposed to cure him of his vampire delusion. And so you're watching her, you know, sort of interview him and try to therapize him. And he, for whatever reason, is revealing some things as if they were a delusion. And she's like, she starts to wonder if perhaps, this is not a delusion. And another time he gets captured by these people who want to use them, use him for dark rituals. It's very, that one's a really weird, uncomfortable one. And so you, you, you are, you're getting all of these different viewpoints of like, what would it be like to interact with somebody, some creature like this in sort of mundane settings and how would you respond and what does it mean to him to have been interacting with humans for all these many 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 years centuries whatever and how would that impact him mentally and it's really it's just a really weird interesting book it's not to everybody's taste there's not a lot of action it's very slow and it's a just a bunch of character set pieces really and so if that's not your jam, you might skip it. But if you kind of want to dig into that uncomfortable space and see what that might look like, I think you'll want to pick it up. So again, that's The Vampire Tapestry by Susie McKee Charnas. My last pick is the first Octavia Butler book I ever read. It's Fledgling. And this one is probably the darkest and weirdest one and it gets trigger warnings for pseudo-pedophilia and coercion and assault. It's very, very strange. It opens with a girl who seems to be very young and doesn't remember anything. And she wakes up and she clearly has been through some trauma, probably a fire. She doesn't know who she is or where she is or what's going on. And as she sort of comes to her senses and starts trying to figure out what, how to survive she starts to figure out that she is a genetically modified 53-year-old vampire in the body of, like, a seemingly very young adolescent girl. And that is all kinds of weird and complicated. You can see how that could be uncomfortable. Um, and she develops, you know, relationships with humans because she needs them to survive. But it's, it's a more of a symbiotic relationship or, like, a sort of beneficial parasite relationship in a very weird way. And she, so she's both trying to figure out how to navigate that part of her life and not be discovered, but, you know, get what she needs to get. And then who, who put her through this trauma? Why did she wake up with amnesia? Who was after her? What has happened to her? And she is a young, well, young looking black vampire in a world where most of the vampires are white that persists in this, you know, fictional version of the world. And so there is, you know, colorism and racism at play. 
And she is genetically modified. So what does that mean? How was she created? What is she there for? And what, who does she want to be? How does she want to be a vampire? She has to make some choices, which is so interesting because, you know, choices around vampirism are usually like, are you going to be a murderous vampire? Or are you going to be like a nice vampire? <laughs> but there are other choices that this character has to make. And because Octavia Butler does revisit these themes of biology and coercion and, you know, hormones and how much of our destiny is shaped by our biology and our genetics. These are all questions that are at play here. So it's a really interesting, very different kind of vampire story. And if you are an Octavia Butler fan and you haven't picked it up yet, you definitely should. If you're new to Octavia Butler, like I said, it's really dark. It's really weird. So, you know, give yourself some some space for it. But it might be worth a try, especially if that description sounds interesting to you. So, again, that is Fledgling by Octavia Butler. And that is today's delving into some non-traditional vampire stories. Thank you all so much for listening, as always. If you have a thought about a backlist to the future or a regular episode theme that you would love to see, please do email us at sffyeah at bookriot.com. Uh, any feedback, really, we love to see it. Speaking of feedback, you can also review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other folks to find the show, and we love to see your notes and you can find me online on Twitter. It's Jen IRL, Jen with two N's, IRL, and also on Instagram as I am Jen IRL. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye.